Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today's episode is the first half of an exciting two-part series with serial startup entrepreneur Paolo Lencioni, who is the Director, Senior Accountant and Software Project Manager at APL Accountants. Now, Paolo has a very interesting story. Having kicked off his career as a vet and then establishing a veterinary business or practice, he then sold that practice and moved on to become an accountant, not the usual career progression of a vet, I'm guessing. Together today, Paolo and I talk about the lessons he's picked up from his experience in starting building and selling multiple businesses. These insights are valuable to business owners who are thinking of starting a new business, growing their current business or gearing up to sell their business into the future. And we also have some fabulous tips for accountants and accounting practices who are looking at differentiating themselves in the market. But this advice is equally relevant and applicable to our M&A professionals out there as well. So keep listening. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Paolo. Fabulous to have you on the um, on the show today. Thanks for coming along. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm always pretty excited to do something like this. So it sounded interesting, so I couldn't say no. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Look, on the show, I love to have business owners who are at the coalface talking about how they have built their businesses and sold their business. So when we were talking the other day, you know, as you recall, I launched them into, oh my goodness, stop. This will be a fabulous discussion. You must come on my podcast. So I just want to say thank you so much for for being so kind as to come on the show to talk to us. Pleasure. I I think, you know, I love the stories. I think our listeners really love the stories as well of hearing from business owners rather than just us advisors talking about the best things to do in selling and buying businesses. It's great to hear real stories and how business owners are feeling as they're doing it. So to give a little bit of a context, I think you described yourself as a serial startup (laughs) entrepreneur, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And, And, you know, out of that process. You've bought and sold a couple of businesses and you're right in the process of building another couple of businesses at the moment. But let's maybe, maybe you can give us a little bit of history, a story, a little bit of rundown of the background of your businesses that you've bought and sold. And then we'll, we'll start talking about things that you've done along the way that might be interesting to our listeners. Okay. Um, well, I guess I guess if I just start at the beginning and then we'll just work through the the whole story and then <laughs> Let's you can do it that ask, way. You can just ask me questions. So, <laughs> um, so, so um, um, first of all, like I've always done everything uh, with my wife because we've got the same mindset about things. So I'm really, really lucky that I never never have to do it alone. Wow. Um, we always um, we always well we eventually agree on what we're going to do and then we, always, <laughs> we can always we can always support each other um, through through the whole process. I think that makes it heaps easier. 
uh, because you've always got that other person. You know, we're part like other traditional business partnerships can be quite difficult. For us, it works really, really well. And I know a lot of people wouldn't work with their spouse, but for us, it's just worked really well. So those, that's made it easy for me. My wife and I, so Anne and I graduated, uh, our, our first degree was as veterinary surgeons. We graduated as veterinary surgeons in South Africa. And we, um, funnily enough, our, um, our first passion was um, wildlife conservation. And that's what we did our elective studies in. Um, it makes you no money. Uh, hard, jobs are hard to find. <laughs> but we, we knew nothing about business. And I think it's very common for people who've come out of university often don't have the financial smarts. In fact, people who've started working straight out of school often more financially smart than people who come out with degrees. So we, we exited university with um, a lot of enthusiasm and very starry-eyed about being bets and absolutely no clue how to run a business, didn't even know what a balance sheet was or a profit and loss statement was, didn't even know what an invoice was. You launched straight into a business straight out of uni. Not straight away, uh, not that quickly. Uh, two days after graduating, we had uh, we went on a working holiday to the UK, from South Africa to the UK, and we both worked for another veterinary practice for, for people for about, for about three years. And then after that, we thought, okay, we can actually do this ourselves. So we, we started up a veterinary practice, a new veterinary practice, and that was probably one of the most challenging things because at that point, we weren't very uh, savvy at anything. We struggled a lot to get planning permission and consent to actually establish a veterinary practice. And all we could find in the area we wanted to set up was a set of dilapidated shops um, that were owned by the council south of Birmingham. So um, we and, and we did all the wrong things. So what we did was then we refurbished them ourselves rather than getting people in to do it. So we did a lot of the um, the punishing um, kind of fixing up of the place, dilapidated shop ourselves, which retrospectively, like, why do you do that? We should have paid someone to do it. So that's <laughs> lesson number one learned, okay, pay other people to do shit for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I should have just carried on working as a vet for someone else and had someone else fit out the shops. I don't know why I didn't do it. Just didn't have the intelligence to do it, I guess, at that point in time. So we did that. Um, people said we're crazy opening up the business where we were. They said we'd never make a go of it. It wasn't particularly high income area, things like that. But we were fortunate, you know, the first 18 months were really tough. Uh, startup business, got no customers, uh, ran at a loss for the first 18 months and had to go and work for a pharmaceutical company to make ends meet. Uh, but after two years, it started ticking over. And then after four years, it was doing pretty well. And then we were employing a third vet. So Anne was working in the full-time, I was working in the full-time. Then we were employing a third vet. And then once a third vet had been working for us for a couple of years, it came to like he was interested in buying the place and we were actually interested in emigrating to Australia because it, it, it had ended up, we had ended up being 12 years in the UK and it was a long working holiday. We'd never thought of settling. <laughs> we never wanted to settle down there. So um, he wanted to buy. We were keen to uh, emigrate somewhere where lifestyle was a bit better and we liked Australia. So we said, okay, fine. So we sold him the business. So uh, in that instance, that was the first business we built, the first business we sold and it didn't make heaps of money, but it was good. Like we came to Australia with like with some money, which was pretty nice. So when we got here, um, I, well, the part I left out is, is whilst we owned the veterinary business, we became acutely aware of the fact that we didn't know anything financial. So Anne enrolled in a MBA, and um, I enrolled in actually initially enrolled in an IT uh, computer programming course. 
and we completed our qualifications in those. Um, we found the financial component of those courses quite interesting. So then we both uh, enrolled in accounting, uh, a university degree in accounting by correspondence because we're still running the practice. Wow, this is full on. Okay, so let me just rehash here. You, you both, you, you've both studied and become vets. Yeah. You've you've now you've worked for someone for a couple of years. You've started a business. It's been hard yakka. So you've gone back and worked for a company at the same time as building the business up to the point that it could actually sustain the two of you. you. You build it up to the point that you then have an employee who buy you out, which is a you know great strategy, fabulous strategy. And then you go and study, study again. Well, we didn't actually, well, we were studying what, before we actually sold the practice. So whilst we were practicing as veterinarians, we did all our studies by correspondence. So we carried on working as veterinarians and uh, and studied. And by the time we actually sold the practice, we were pretty much qualified as accountants. Right. Wow. That's pretty full on. I think there'd be fairly few people out there who would have two major degrees like that, right? Veterinary, <laughs> veterinary science, is that the name of the... Yeah, veterinary science. Yeah, it's a bachelor of veterinary science, yeah. And, uh, and then accounting as well. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. So what happened next? And I guess, firstly... Let's just go back to this first sale. Do you recall at the time your thoughts about the process? You know, did did you know what to do when you decided you wanted to sell it? Did you appoint advisors to help? Or well, we did know what to do because at that point in time we had our accounting degrees, but we weren't um, we didn't have much experience at it. Did we? Did we employ advisors again? Possibly mistake number two. No, we didn't. We did it ourselves. We valued our own business. And probably could have got a bit more for it if we had had um, some professional assistance doing it. So from that perspective, um, I probably didn't optimize as much as I could have out of selling that first business. But then again, like I'm not the kind of guy who, and nor is Anne, we don't have sentimentality about stuff like that. I really, really liked the guy who was purchasing it. Um, his wife had actually been my head nurse for like four or five years. We knew them really, really well. And one of the things we do like to see is someone else pick up uh, where we've left off and actually run with it really well. I think that's more important for me. So for me, optimizing like the sale to the last cent is not a big deal. Uh, you know, it's more the reward I get out of having done it. And then uh, very, very important for me is that it continues to run successfully afterwards because um, from that perspective, that's why we do it because of our passion for it. I know a lot of people sell businesses and actually prefer to see it do badly once they exit because they say, oh, it really needed me and maybe it's an ego boost. But for me, it's quite the opposite. For me, the ego boost is to actually have built something that then continues to run forever. Um, without us there. And actually, currently, that veterinary practice is big. They've extended the premises. They've employed two further vets. um, And it's actually one of the biggest veterinary practices in the area now. Oh, that's amazing. And look, did they do the extension themselves or did they? Yeah, they did it. They did it. They actually, I, I stay in touch with them. So, um, uh, even <laughs> well, they, they did the building themselves like so you. They extended, they extended the building. No, no, no. They didn't do it. They actually got builders in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So, they learned from your lesson there, right? They- <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So, that's um, that was uh, that, that first business. Um, like. Great. Okay. So, then where did you move to next? What happened? Well, you moved to Australia. We sold the business, um, which was keeping us, well, that was what was keeping us in the UK. We moved to Australia, then we came to the crossroads of do we do another veterinary practice here or do we do something different? And because we both had accounting degrees and went to work in public accounting practice for a couple of years, and I worked in accounting software just to get a feel for the accounting industry. And after doing that for a few years, we were like, okay, well, we can probably do this ourselves. In the interim, because I was a little bit bored um, and sort of in between selling the practice and moving to Australia, I'd started programming 
uh, I had a hobby programming job where I developed a one of the first cloud-based practice management systems as a hobby. Wow! And whilst I was, <laughs> whilst as I was, a hobby. got it. <laughs> whilst I was um, doing that and 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 working uh, as an accounting software and just you know I wasn't working very long hours anyway. I used to just flex my hours. Then um, we found ourselves there with um, with about thirty or forty veterinary practices using it, and it became too big to be a, a hobby. Also, so at the same time as uh, opening the accounting business, we decided to commercialize the software business. So we did the two together. So we opened our we opened well. We looked at purchasing an existing accounting firm. Didn't like it. Didn't like the way it was run. Uh, thought we had, it had too much. Um, uh, it's legacy issues with staff and the cust- kind of customers it had and stuff. So we thought, okay, well, we'll just open up our own accounting firm. So um, we we had the money. We purchased actually purchased a commercial premises that was going going quite nicely. Uh, look, uh, going for a good price in our area, and we put the office in that. And funny, and this time didn't do the Renault yourself, obviously. I'm no, no, this time, this time <laughs> brought someone in to do everything, which good was work. a like the smart move, much much better. <laughs> and then, um, and then we got um, uh, we after only being open for so we're just a normal accounting firm. We're going to see everyone and do the do 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 accounting and tax for everyone. And then we took on some advice from a guy I knew quite well, a guy called Chris Newton. Um, who's actually a guy who you know has pulled on quite well, actually, and, and we'd met him through veterinary circles. And he said, you know, you guys should just be specialist accountants to the veterinary industry only. And we thought, oh, that's quite quite a risk in that, like, it's a small market. So within a couple of months of opening up, we did that. We just marketed ourselves to the veterinary industry and niched ourselves very tightly into that as an accounting and business advisory firm to the veterinary industry. Best best decision we ever made and probably one of the best bits of advice I'd ever been given because that really, really established a point of difference in our business. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, positive stuff being said these days about niching. And if anyone out there is scared about niching, I mean, I don't think you can be niched more than us. As a normal accountant, you've probably got access to more than 10,000 businesses in Australia. As a specialist veterinary accountant, well, probably about thirty or 40,000 businesses. As niche to the veterinary industry throughout the whole of Australia, we, we target 2,000 businesses. That's it. Wow. Um, so there's no more than that. That's how many veterinary practices there are in Australia. So, um, and it's just been the best thing we've ever done. We continue to grow now. We still, we still get more and more and more on board. Like eventually we'll have most of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that was really, really good. So then it came to a point where I had to commercialize a software product. We had the accounting firm running. That was going quite well. Software product wasn't doing that well. Software is notoriously difficult to run at a profit. You sink so much in R&D. So I employed a couple of developers to commercialize it, pushed it a bit harder on the sales side. And funnily enough, um, so that's another thing is like hobby jobby versus commercializing stuff. Get, put people on because they can do the work better than you can. Um, within two years of commercializing it, we were getting a good market share in Australia. We were starting to move into the United States and the UK and a, list, a listed American company made an offer to purchase the software from us. Um, and that was for a very good price. So we did, well, we said yes to that. Um, it was from, from our perspective, it was turning into quite a lot of hard work from a perspective of um, support. And I wanted to focus on the accounting firm at that point. So we, we, we said yes to that offer, but this time we took on advice in terms of the sale. Even though we were established accountants had a whole lot more experience in this, we knew how to value a, maybe a dentist or a vet or someone like that, but uh, valuing a software company is completely different. So we actually spent a lot of money and, uh, and got a big accounting firm to help us with the valuation and the legals around that this time. Uh, and I think that proved out, proved, worked out quite well for us too. 
Brilliant. That, and that was going to be my question. Did you find that using specialists really um, assisted in the process? Obviously, you'd identified the reason why it might help, but it, what what was your feeling when everything was all said and done about that decision? I think I would, I'm glad we use the specialists. Even from like, we do a lot of tax work and stuff, but even from a tax perspective on that kind of sale, which involved international money transfers and all that sort of stuff and movement of intellectual property versus customers, there were a whole lot of legals that could actually make the whole um, sale a lot more tax efficient for us, which we hadn't thought of uh, because we don't, as a country, we don't work in that space. So, um, so yeah, it was, I would do it again. Like I would again. Uh, and we got, we were actually the the bill for it was um, in excess of thirty thousand dollars for that just one sale um, and all the legals around that sale and people would say that's a lot but for us it was worth it because in terms of tax and sort of the way the sale went it actually worked out better we actually more than made that money back so that would that would be uh, you know that was definitely a, a smart decision on our part I think good to get work. Someone else to do it. Yep, yep, yep. Great work. And so, so that's it. Business number two. You, um, you, you sold. So, in both of these sales, it seems to me that you're in a situation where you didn't need to go and hunt for a buyer. Is that right? No, like it's what's you find what's there. So, like I knew I was going to sell that product. So you start looking, and if you start looking, you find, and you put the feelers out, and someone will come. Like it, you you have to be. I think like like my my feeling is you, you've got to check out of a business at some point. Either you're going to sell it or you're going to check out in a coffin, but you're going to check out of it. So, <laughs> um, because we deal with a lot of um, business buyers and sells ourselves within the veterinary industry, the worst case scenario is when people hang on to their business for too long and then check out as an emergency, like they get a health problem. And suddenly, before they can sell it, it's 12 months, the business goes in decline because they've got a health issue or a personal issue that they can't deal with it. So, the reality is when the right buyer comes for the right price, that's the right time to sell the business. And if you're sentimentally attached to that and you say no, you don't know whether that opportunity is going to come back. So, the right time is, you know, when the right buyer comes along. So, for me, that's kind of my policy again is like you could hang on to it and I possibly could have hung on to that particular business for a bit longer and maybe I could have made more money. But it's actually worked out better for me that I sold it because we had more money then to put into the accounting firm and then release our second software product, which I much prefer to my first software product. Wow. Okay. And so tell us about your second software product. What, what are you in now? Okay. So where our first software product was very support intensive and it was hard work. We hadn't like, I'd done it as a hobby and I never thought of it as a business. The second one, we wanted to look at something that fitted more like what we had in our heads as um, now as accountants and business advisors that we could propagate to all our client base. So we actually developed a system that runs automated business health checks. It aggregates all the information from their accounting software, from their point of sale software, and then starts to measure everything in their business from like how, how well each veterinarian is performing in terms of their invoicing habits, what services they're promoting. And then we, uh, yeah, so that's, that's our new software product. And it connects to, uh, to all the different practice management systems. So effectively, any veterinarian anywhere in the world can be our customer. And recently, we've had a lot of interest from the dental industry also, which again, increases our our capacity because there's a lot more dentists than vets. So that particular product we'll, we will release what well, we are busy releasing into the dental industry now. So it'll be worth a lot more than our first one actually. 
Wow. That, I mean, what an amazing product. It seems to me that not only are you providing insight, obviously, to um, your customers to be able to view their own figures in, in a more helpful way, but you're also building some really incredible, I would assume, statistics and benchmarks yourselves to be able to then, you know, then feed back into advice for businesses. Is, is that how you view it? Is that how it works? It was such a good fit to what we were already doing physically as business advisors, like as accountants and business advisors. One of your biggest challenges is getting information out of your customers because they don't have the time to sort of pull out the thousand reports from their various weird systems, whatever they're using in their business. So if you have something that automatically gives you that data, and I have real-time feeds on all the performance of all our customers' businesses now, I mean, I can look right now and know how my, all my customers' businesses have been doing in the last 24 hours. That gives us heaps of street cred as a business advisory. So our accounting and business advisory is growing as a, off the back of that. Plus, we so like I don't have to sell two different products. I sell our business advisory, the product goes with us. I sell the product, our business advisory goes with it. Invariably, if we sign up a customer to one of those products, they sign up to our other services too. So it's it's it's, it's one 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 sales pitch, um, and uh, I can sell two two separate things. And what a differentiator in the marketplace, I guess. Like, you know, if I'm running a veterinary practice, why wouldn't I appoint someone who understands the benchmarks and can feed me back information of how I'm performing in comparison to the other veterinary practices? Well, that's a wrap for part one of our two-part series with serial startup entrepreneur Paolo Lencioni. As a quick recap, in this episode, we talked about the importance of getting yourself educated. When Paolo and Anne started their first business, they had no idea what a balance sheet was, and they were determined to learn more about the financial side to a business. Of course, we don't mean to say that all business owners ought to go out and get accounting degrees like they did, but we're just simply saying that the best entrepreneurs and the most successful business people are always looking for ways to expand their knowledge, improve their skills, and keep up to date with any developments, both in their own industry and in the broader environment. We also talked about the benefits of niching your business, which Paolo described as the best business advice he was ever given. His accounting practice exclusively services vet practices, and it appears to be working out pretty well. Paolo then drilled into why business owners ought to always have an exit strategy at the back of their mind. As Paolo mentioned, the worst case scenario is when people hang on to their business for too long and then perhaps suffer an emergency issue that makes it hard to realise the true value of their business. In part two, we drill deeper into more practical tips for entrepreneurs who are thinking of starting a business and for business owners who are in that growth phase and maybe gearing up for a sale into the future. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today, and if you did, please subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player to get notifications straight to your phone when part two is out. We'd also like to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers, or even if you're a new listener and you love what you heard. Well, look, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast Proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. 
Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Thank you.